0: your backup plan tribe to another great podcast brought to you by Tina. If you are new here, my name is Tina again. I am with Talking Taboo with Tina with your backup plan. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. Yes. Do you remember Jeannie? That's how fast things can happen. And our guest today is going to tell you exactly how fast in the blink of an eye is. Um, I am a financial expert and an app developer of Your Backup Plan app, and I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC. So welcome to the show today. If you are new to our show, welcome. And if you are a returning watcher and lover of our show, thank you for coming. I get my hand out. Please like, share, and subscribe down here at the bottom. Press on that like button, press on that subscribe button so you can reach out to more and more people with our show. Because if you are here, if you've found us, you've found us for a reason. Because we have some great shows of, you know, real raw conversation with our guests about their life-changing um, journey and and their life. What is your backup plan app? Anyways, Tina, your backup plan app puts your life all into one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance. And it takes that painful aftermath out of that tragedy because you are left with this moment of trauma. And what do you do um, in that second, in that millisecond? your life changes in a quick second. And what does that look like if you're not prepared? What does that possibly look like if you don't know what the future is going to look like? And it changes your life. And Mike Tyson says in his famous quote, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the mouth. And But do we have a plan? Well, I think most people think they have a plan. They might have a will, they might have a power of attorney. They might have a, what people in the global world call a living will. They may have those types of things, but do they have all the rest, all the other key components put together in their family plan, their wishes, what they'd like if something happened to them, would they like to go in a home, would they like to stay in with somebody else or by themselves or have caregivers come in? All of these thoughts don't really come to us until something happens. And then it's too late to make those decisions. So with our guest today, I'm I'm so very, very excited about having Melissa Miller come on. She's from Southern Idaho and I'm just going to bring her on and introduce her. Hi, hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome, Melissa. You're coming from Southern Idaho in the United States today. She is a mom and a mom mentor and a caregiver support coach. It's quite a mouthful. And uh, our show today is from lover to nurse. And that's the truth. You know, Melissa, before you start with your story, I wanted to explain a situation I had with a, cli- a very dear client of mine a few years ago who had um, a husband with dementia. But it was a very crippling and very fast, fast dementia. And he was incapable of being his usual self, her husband. So she had to make this decision, and it took her a year at the age of 60 to make a decision like that. What do I do? Do I stay as his wife and be a caregiver? Or do I put him in a home and then, you know, have a life at 60 for myself? And it's such a hard decision, even without children or, or just by yourself, and what the, what the right thing to do is. So with your story today, I'm so excited to bring it to the forefront of our listeners to talk about, you know, what happened at the beginning of your journey. Where did this all start for you, Melissa?
1: Yes. And a little piggyback story on that real quick is my former health, my former career background is as a certified nursing assistant, and I did primarily work in long term care facilities. So I did work with the elderly dementia population. And you're right. Dementia is very, very crippling and it can be fast. It can be slow. But whether it's fast and sudden, where you suddenly aren't recognized by your loved ones anymore, or it's a slow process where you just slowly see their memory, they're losing more and more information around their life, their family, either situation's hard. And to place your loved one in a home is really tough, because you feel this guilt, you feel the shame of neglecting your loved one that you're not that you're doing it out of selfishness or anything else. but And I want to say, if you're in that situation, you're not being selfish. Caregiving is rough physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I want you to hear from me as a former healthcare worker that, the, that people in the healthcare field are trained to deal with these situations. And certainly, we have more training and coping skills to handle these situations on a daily basis. But you don't. And if yeah, it's not true. within your within your capacity and to
0: knowledge. care for your loved
1: one, and knowledge, yes, to care for your loved one, please do not hesitate to make that decision if it's best for you and the rest of the family to do that. Now, a backstory on me as well is my grandmother passed away in 2018, and she absolutely refused to go into her home. And we honored that because she had been there so much for us we wanted to take care of her. So we were in a capacity where we could take turns taking care of her, we would have her come live with us, we would go and stay in her house and just take turns taking care of her. We did get hospice and home health involved. And once she was to the point where she was definitely more in the stage of hospice, yeah, you know, they would the hospice and home health staff would be just kept in the loop about the schedule about where she would be so they could still come pay visits to her. And, all, and also, too, home health and hospice is obviously a great resource in and of itself because there usually is a social yeah. worker. And you can, you as the family of the sick loved one can access that resource. My, uh, one of my cousins, um, she was definitely having a hard time when we were dealing with my, our grandmother's transition from life to end of life and she had some hard feelings about that not bad like you know it was normal but she needed some yeah. extra cope with it so she utilized that social worker so think of it as so think of it as an opportunity to not just make sure your loved one is cared for but that you and the, you and your family as a whole are cared for physically mentally emotionally and
0: spiritually yeah yeah, I, I, absolutely. So with your story, Melissa, I understand you had quite the moment that I talked about in the blink of an eye. It was yeah. probably even quicker than that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it it we went from not thinking anything of this situation to totally changing our life in less than six months. It was really fast. So my husband has epilepsy, but he wasn't diagnosed right away. And in the beginning, we didn't even know that it was epilepsy. We woke up at 4.30 in the morning to change our daughter's diaper. This was back in December of 2019. And And she was about a a year old, right? Yeah, she was about a year old because her birthday's in January. So she was going to turn one in January of 2020. And... We just woke up to change your diaper. I stepped out of the room to use the bathroom or something. And then I came back in to just make sure my husband was okay and they didn't need help tending to our daughter. But I noticed a weird look on his face. It was like this weird glazed look over his face, like he was kind of there or kind of was not about was about to not be there. And I asked him, I like said blank. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. up, up, like a blank. Yes, blank. absolutely. Kind of like when you faint or something, that kind of look. very that's a good description. Definitely like that. And I asked him, Are you okay? And he goes, He got three words out. I don't know. He passed out. I grabbed our daughter just in time, got her into the crib. She was wailing because she was scared to see her father fall. I was freaking out. I did not think it was epilepsy in the beginning. I thought it was more just because there is almost a 20 year age gap between my husband and I. I'm in my 30 or late latter 30s. My husband's in his mid 50s now. When this started, he was in his early 50s. So I thought, okay, he's working 40 plus hours a week, parenting a toddler, an almost one year old when you're in your early 50s is a lot different. So I thought it was something that with thinking with my medical training in my brain, that, oh, we just need to probably maybe supplement him with some extra sleep, some better nutrition, maybe supplement a chemical imbalance, you know, maybe some supplements, nothing like epilepsy, we never thought it'd be like that. But, and it, but he did have two more episodes, he had one in Uh, January of 2020, and one in March of 2020. And by that time, um, his primary doctor had referred us to a general neurologist, because he was catching on that maybe this could be something neurological. It's not my, my um, basket of expertise. So I want to send you off to a neurologist just to be
0: sure. Thank God he did. Uh, But then what was was your what was your first one like, Melissa? What what was that initial? uh, Like, is he lying on the floor? And he just passed out. Out of he it, just like passed. a faint. He was just kind of yeah. Like,
1: and then when he came to, he had no clue of what happened.
0: So it could
1: have been a faint, like somebody yeah, and that, Yeah, and that's why I was thinking with my medical brain, maybe he just has a chemical imbalance. He's low on like iron or vitamin well, D or it,
0: something. Yeah, something think like that. Driving or he wasn't driving or something like Absolutely. that. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, there's so many pros. I, for, for what happened that kind of absolutely and the and the cool thing was too
1: is that um yeah that he, yeah the cool thing was that I was there and I'm medically trained so I could I knew kind of what to do I could I we didn't know it was a seizure I just thought he fainted because he was just tired yeah, exhausted yeah. something else going on but I'm glad I was there you know because I was able to give details when we did go to the ER to get him checked out to make sure nothing was wrong um but they referred us to our pri- his primary um and then our primary referred us to a neurologist um he had more a couple more episodes and like i said january and march then in April was the turning point that was the first month that he blew through his first medication by the end of the month he was having 10 to 20 plus seizures a month and oh it was bad
0: all of it the was- same kind like this oh yeah he would do yeah. the same thing yeah, it's
1: like, well, there was somewhere he'd be like, just kind of glazed and out of it. And then there's others like, you know, it happen in his sleep, or it would happen um, where he would pass out, or just wouldn't come to. So it was a variety his his, um his symptoms have been the same, like usually he gets um immediate, sudden, painful left temporal pain in his left temple. Um, but in terms of how it starts, sometimes he can feel it coming on that he's that something's going on, like he just feels off. Other times he's out cold and he just passes out. Other times he, um, it, it's in his sleep or something. So it it, right. it can happen in, in many ways. So you way, wake up, up, feeling up feeling
0: different too, I guess. After well, if I couldn't get him,
1: sleep. well, usually the ones that where he's sleeping, it's because I usually I mean to go in and wake him up to get him up for work or something like that or I hear him making a funny noise. And if I can't get him to respond, I'm giving him his rescue medication to help him come out. Cause I know what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, I, as a very young child, I remember being in a motel and then the lobby and a girl had come in. She was about 29 or so. And she just fell to the ground and started doing the sh- shaky stuff. And as a child, like you were going to talk about, your little one. Um, it's scary. Like, it's very scary. Don't just lie there and do nothing. Like some, right. I guess some right. of them do, but.
1: Everyone's different. Some people yeah. have, it's not like you see in movies. Not everyone shakes. Not everyone can, um, foams at the mouth. Everyone has different symptoms. Um, my husband, sometimes he just has rigid. Some of the ones he's been having, he's just been rigid, just really tense. And he's so tight and his hands just grip to where it looks like he's going to break his hand or something. Oh. So it's different. And it's does that different. stay
0: like that for a long time?
1: Just through the seizure, and then he'll relax once the seizure has passed.
0: And how so, long does the seizure usually? The same. It can
1: vary. I clock them. If they go over five minutes, I'm calling nine one one and taking it and transporting him to the hospital because of damage. Because you remember, it's a firestorm. Now sometimes they come out of it pretty quick, but if the seizure go, um, the grounds for calling nine one one or taking him into the ER would be if he fall. Falls when he has a seizure, like what happened a couple weeks ago. He fell when he was trying to get something. He just went to the microwave. He was getting a cup of coffee. I w- happened to walk out of my office just in the nick of time. I saw him. He had just closed the door to the microwave to um, warm up some coffee and he fell backwards. He just had sudden temple pain. He didn't say anything. He fell backwards. He's 6'2 and 190 pounds. So that's a long way to fall and a yeah. lot of weight. And he hit the back of his head. So that was grounds. I took him into the ER. I was, since I'm his caregiver and his wife, I gave him all the deep, you know, the stats and details about what his journey has been like. And they said, you did the right thing. So I said, we're going to, you know, follow up with your neurologist. Um, his test came back clean, no signs of a concussion, but because he has epilepsy, you know, and he felt we obviously want to be tech, be proactive with protecting his brain. Um, so yeah, so grounds for hitting. So worrying about a concussion if he falls and hits his head or if the seizure again goes longer than five minutes then i'm calling 911 right
0: um i know there is there a certain feeling when it happens is there for you being part of this like is there i i know this is going to sound really strange but is there like a smell or is there a, a sound or a feeling or anything. No, else? I'm just, I'm just
1: watching his behavior. Sometimes, you know, it's a, in the blink of an eye. Like you said, sometimes I have some warning that he's telling me verbally that he's spilling off. Like it hurts him, or something. Yeah. What well, you, you know, like or I see him grabbing his temple or he's just all of a sudden mm-hmm. having a glazed look like that first seizure. Then I know something's going down right. um, other times, but other times, like I said, it just costs off guard. Like the, like the one he had, he's had three over the, a total of three over the weekend. And he had one, the last one he had was he just, um, he just was sitting at the couch, we were having a conversation, he was sitting on the couch and watching TV, and I was in the kitchen, we have an open concept kitchen, and I was just doing something like in the sink. And all of a sudden, I noticed he wasn't responding to our conversation. We weren't arguing anything, we were just having a conversation. Yeah. And I went around and he was slumped over and shaking and out. So I went and got my medication and started taking care of him right away. Do you inject them or is it a pill? Uh, it depends. So obviously if they're out cold, they can, you, do, you do not put anything in their mouth. Um, and so if he's alert enough ahead of time that he can tell me that he's feeling off, I give him a certain medication, which is in the pill form. If he's out cold, I give him his nasal spray. Oh, or I see. If he's not responding to. Because, you know, obviously you don't want to wait till he wakes up to give him something. You know, you want yeah. something in him right away.
0: Yeah. And um, how long has epilepsy been around, Melissa? Do you know
1: all that background? Um, I don't know that background. I It's interesting. I've been, since this journey started, I've been getting on Instagram to share my story. And it's been interesting. I've been able to find a lot of other accounts that uh, of people that are dealing with epilepsy. So I'm finding resources. And it's really interesting. And there's some stuff even back to the Bible where um, it, there's, um, they talk about, there was a passage or some um, historical stuff that someone found about how someone was they were described, they were the document or section talked about how someone was describing the look of feeling possessed, but actually it was probably epilepsy, it was probably a seizure. So I don't know how so it's probably been around since the dawn of time. Yeah, but in terms of um, in our day and age, it's still a very misdiagnosed misunderstood disease, because uh, there's just lack of knowledge around it. There's a lot of stigma. People think like, you look fine. My husband looks fine. And he's pretty high functioning. When he's not having a seizure, he can feed, dress and bathe himself, you know, and 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 he can work he worked, but he works in a limited number of hours now, because stress is a trigger for epilepsy, you know, or seizure disorders, you know, stress, yeah. m- missing meds, lack of nutrition and sleep is a huge one are the three main principal triggers. And so he doesn't work as much. So
0: it's pretty hard as a father and a work, you know, somebody he who has is, a job. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, and he is on social security disability. So in the States, you know, if you are disabled, you can get, you know, and that's how we're living. You know, you know, we do live off of his, because I transitioned home to be full time. So I quit my job and I'm yes. building my career, but my career takes time. Yes. So, so we're dealing with um, uh, those you know,
0: changes, li- those changes and living off change. of his
1: disability and, he's on a limit and he cut back his hours, you know, for his health, you know, it's necessary and needed for his health. So it doesn't just impact you physically in terms of, um, in terms of um, just how you were able to function and live, but it impacts you financially, mentally and emotionally. It's distressing. And even spiritually, you know, like I'm a Christian speaking, you know, speaking to my faith of what I choose to believe. I'm a Christian. And, you know, you do have those feelings, which are okay. You do ask God, why? Why did this happen to my family and help me cope through this situation? Because I sure can't do it on my own. And so you were pushed. It hits all areas of your life. You get hit in the the mouth, like you were saying, in all areas.
0: (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it doesn't stop at this point
1: either. No, this will be lifelong. This will be going on until my husband dies. I will yeah. be his caregiver
0: until he dies.
1: And it's not so going to stop. That's, that's I'm a, not hard,
0: gonna... that's a yeah. hard decision for people to make. It is. Though.
1: Yeah. As of right now, I will be. I, and I'm just going to leverage home health or hospice when the time, if I have to. I'm not going to put my husband at home. He. I want him to be. I want to take care Here. of him.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to be. Yeah.
1: So, and so your and...
0: daughter is even learning how to spot him and yep at when he three, doesn't respond when he starts to moan
1: or groan or passes out and is not responsive she knows to come and get me at three and a half years old which is really sad um but she knows she knows it's been going on for the it's been going on and I hate that that burden has been laid on her
0: yeah well it's kind of a blessing kind of in a way too, to yeah. understand I mean, I the world I mean yeah in, in a in some form but yeah, it's, it's um, kind of beautiful that she can acknowledge yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, what a position to put a little kind of kid into for, yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, I, had a, um, I, was, I had heard about a girl who was going to university, and she had a pig that the pig mm-hmm. would tell her when she was going to have a seizure. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's tools like that as well for people. Right. We haven't utilized
1: anything like that. Um, I do have strong dander, pet issues. So like we do have a cat, but she does come inside sometimes, but I have to be careful. And then, you know, she lives outside a lot. Um, But yeah, we don't, but you know, we've only lived with my dad in the house we live now. We live with my dad because we moved in when my mom passed away after 50 years of chronic illness.
0: Oh. So
1: it's it's reverse. My dad is the caregiver was the caregiver for my mom and I'm the caregiver for my husband. So
0: isn't that kind of funny?
1: Yeah, it's really uh, switched. It's, yeah, it's switched. So anyway, um but yeah, so we live with we live with my um with my father and so and I'm also helping caregiver for him too cuz he is over 65 and that's the thing. With the age demographic, we do anticipate caring for our grandparents and our parents because of the age demographic, you know, the age gap. Yes. We, we anticipate yes. that and we're yes. prepared for that. And I'm not saying that resources and everything like that are not warranted and needed, but caregiving can happen at a younger age. It really can. Uh, and you don't have to be, you know, we anticipate starting to care for our spouse or partner after age 65 because that's typically when health problems do start to kind of trickle in.
0: Yeah. But we don't anticipate it,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> but we don't anticipate it, you know, when you're young and in your prime and your mid 30s or 50s. So, no, uh, thirty can
0: 40. happen.
1: Yes, absolutely. When you still well, have small kids, you know, like I anticipate, I definitely, because of the 20 year, almost 20 year age gap, I anticipate after our daughter was raised and graduated from high school that I would be care- actively caregiving for my husband at the time yes. at that stage and season, which I was ready for and anticipated and accepted. Otherwise, I wouldn't have married him. <laughs> But, yes.
0: um, but no, you know, it's, it's happening sooner.
1: We're and because it sooner. You,
0: well, that's true. And, and have you thought of the situation now because if something happened to you, have you given any thought to what would happen with him and your daughter? That's something I am having to think about, um,
1: so, yeah, that's something else we have to think about. It's just been so crazy with thinking about... I know. It just... was everything else, you know, on top yes. of everything else. Because I do have my own chronic illnesses. I have IBS, I have hypothyroidism, nothing that's life-altering or life-threatening. You know, I, yeah. I can't keep all those in check. But, um, and it does impact my life as a mother and as a caregiver and a wife. So, and, and a coach and a mentor in my business and stuff right. and, and the right. projects I do. But that is a thought. And that's the questions, you know, those are the hard conversations that no one wants to have but it's so no. necessary how many stories have we come across where the
0: unexpected happens and we weren't prepared um tons <laughs> yes tons <laughs> in so yeah. many shapes and forms whether it was right. your, a building or whether it was your car or whether it was your house or whether it was your belongings or whether it was yourself you know like mm-hmm.
1: it could be anything it could be anything and some and having those conversations you know yeah, that's definitely something my husband and I are definitely going to be happy to think about. Um, we have we have godparents, but some of them live out of state. Um, but we're definitely thinking of having. And my husband has a daughter from his first marriage, but she's all the way in Missouri and she's living her life there. So um, we're definitely needing to think about, you know, who's going to take care of our little girl, you know, if something happens. So and that's scary. Then and, him. The, and, and him. him, yeah. So
0: and what you'd yeah. like to have done with your business? Is it going to you know, continue making revenue? Or would you want to put someone else as a partner in it? Just yeah, to, I'm thinking to continue yeah. I'm, it or yeah, you know, there's yeah. So I definitely
1: plan on um, I'm not to the stage where I have a team. But my goal is that I definitely would love a partner or a team member at some point, you know, having a team to just do the day to day to run my business. But also, I would love a partnership, you know, and turning it into something else but I haven't gotten there I'm just right now I'm just trying to keep it's it's so overwhelming and I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about those things but I'm just taking it one day at a time there's just so much going on and getting so far ahead you know it is good to think ahead but I think also too there's that fine line of how far ahead do you need to look before it even happens and then because then that throws you into like anxiety and thinking like oh gosh you know that you know I have to prepare for anything you know and 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 and, you know and it just leaves you in that you know you don't you get out of the present you don't absorb the moments being in the present because being in the present is never going to come again so there's that fine line of being in the present planning for the preparing for the unexpected like what I teach in my programs and then but also and being prepared but also yes being in the present. So it's a fine line. I'm not saying that yes. I have it all figured out and sometimes well no to some degree all of us never will. But having the for starters, having the conversations and thinking about these things and realizing mm-hmm. that there is resources to leverage is another component as well.
0: Well, especially when someone has that disability component mm-hmm. because in Canada you cannot continue to have a disability pension or income from the government Mm -hmm. if you get any money from like a will or an inheritance your disability is totally cut off Mm -hmm. your your stream of what's available to you is cut off your availability of an income stream is cut off Um, so you have to be really careful and possibly um, make sure that your will and your estate planning is part of a trust and yeah. in the trust, then that can pay the disability to the, continue to, to pay it to that person through that trust, but not through the estate. Right. So, what, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard. In the
1: state, yeah, it's hard. Like in the state of Idaho and, and where I'm at, um, My husband gets social security disability. I get a little bit because I'm a caregiver for a disabled spouse. And we have a child under the age of 16 to 18. So with that being said, I am my daughter's liaison that if something does, if my husband does pass away, we will continue to get her, his pension until his social security benefits until she turns 16 to 18 years old. Yes. mm -hmm. So. It, yeah. it's all of these things that it's all the rules. There's so many rules with these programs. Yeah, and if and the the thing in the states, I don't know how it works with sections within. If it's the overall country urging, or if it's like sections for us in the United States, we have states obviously and they have their own some of these too. Yeah, some of these. So there's so there is rules at the federal level for our government, but yes. then there's also variations of some of these programs at the state level. So. That's right. The rules. I mean, when I filled uh, back in 2020, the summer of 2020, when I was, um, when we finally got his medical diagnosis in July of 2020. Um, oh my gosh, it was such, it was such a relief to finally qualify that he qualified for social security disability. So then that meant he could pull back his hours at work. And, um, it's not enough to live on by itself, so that's why he still works part-time. and it's good for his mental health because he does yes. want to feel like because men are providers, men are fixers, and they want to feel like they're contributing yeah. to providing for their family still. And I get that, and i and I totally respect that. So we um, get as possible yeah, too, right? yeah, as long as possible to be yeah. able to feel like he's contributing to raising our family. Yeah, so, um I'm thankful that he can do that. So, like I said, I'm lucky. My husband is pretty high functioning, but, I know there's people out there that are caregiving for a spouse that are bedridden, and so they're doing way more. Yeah. They're doing a lot more of the ADL care like I did when I was a certified nursing assistant, having to change, transfer, reposition, feed, bathe, Keep. dress, everything, yeah. Besides, yeah. and give medications, So and follow up with the medical team. So caregiving has many layers depending on the situation, but it can still be stressful, and it still wears on you. So that's why amping yeah. up your physical mental and emotional self-care and spiritual self-care is very important. I'm yes. in a season where I'm really amping up my my spiritual self-care. I found an amazing um devotional series that I'm doing that started out um the people who are, are doing it that I found on Facebook. They started out it as a, just a 10-day program, but they're turning it into a year-long program. So, I invested the $60 to get the year-long program and I get lifetime access so I can go back to it again and again and I'm investing in my spiritual health. That's what I need right now to cope Mm -hmm. with the stresses that we are under. And for everyone else listening, whatever season of life you're in, whatever of the four areas, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, that you're weakest in, now's the time to amp up on that self-care so you can cope. So if it's maybe not doing devotional or getting back plugged into your congregation of faith, maybe it's um, realizing, you know what? all these coping techniques that I'm trying to do with dealing with my mental health on my own is just not cutting the mustard anymore. So I am going to go and make an appointment with my therapist or counselor because even though there's, and there's stigma around medication, but guys, when I was in my early twenties, I did go through a time where I had to be on some depressive medication and anxiety medicine for a while to be able to get stable again. And I don't regret that. So definitely leverage those resources and remember too, it's not just the medication, Um, that's available through therapists and counselors, they are trained and they can offer referrals to other um, resources that the average doctor and your family or friends, or even your pastor or leader of faith um, doesn't have access to. Now those resources are good, but sometimes guys, there's definitely seasons and situations where you need other resources and get making sure that you can access those resources as fast as possible is critical, so yes, if you are needing sure. help with your mental health, definitely leveraging the resource of a care counselor and therapist, a in itself, for the benefit of medication and even just access to more resources through them because they have access to those kinds of things, is is not a bad thing. There's no shame, there's yeah. no guilt. It doesn't make anything, it doesn't define you as a mother, a wife, or a caregiver. It just means that you're prioritizing your self care so you can keep that cup full. So you can be the wife, mother, and caregiver that you need to be, because that's what it's about.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, And sometimes we don't realize it, um, but they have, they usually offer, you know, one-on-one treatments or group sessions or even like um, an evening at a restaurant group kind of um, Mm -hmm. just just socialization sometimes, like uh, among the same type of people, your, your own type of group. Um, I absolutely I think all of those things could be helpful in so many ways.
1: Absolutely. As human beings, we're definitely a petrel of we're uh, cre- we're creatures where we need community. Community is so powerful and needed to being able to cope with whatever yeah. situation we're in. So being around like-minded people, whether it's getting a mentor or coach like me who um, can help you get organized and process and cope on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level as a spousal caregiver and a stay-at-home mom, yeah. Or if you're needing um, more spiritual help, maybe it's trying to plug into something, getting replugged back into your congregation of faith, doing a one on one with your pastor or leader of faith, or joining a, a spiritual group, or even doing something online right online. now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no shame in that. Um, the resources that have worked out for me have been online because I'm busy, I'm home full time. I can't get out of the house as often as I would, yeah. would like to. And obviously, too, it's out of protection because I'm trying to limit exposure to some degree. Because my, I have a compromised immune system to some degree. My husband certainly does with his epilepsy, and I have a three-year-old. Yeah. So there you go. Things are opening back up here in the States, depending on where you're at and everything else. But still, you want to be safe. And obviously, just sometimes it's just more lack of – it's just more also of energy. You're just dealing with so much. When my husband has a seizure, he's out for the rest of the day. Yeah. So he
0: doesn't have the energy to go outside the house. <laughs> How long does the effects after it's over of a seizure well, – it, it probably varies.
1: Tw- it varies, but it's definitely at least minimum is definitely twenty four hours, and it can be longer. Because think about it, the this is the best um, an analogy that I've been able to come up with, with that makes sense when um, you go through when a person goes through a seizure, and if they go through multiple, it's even more. But th- whenever you go through, whenever a person goes through a seizure, it's like they've just run a twenty six mile marathon. Hello. You don't recover from that in a matter of minutes or hours. You're out for the rest of the day. You got to hydrate. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to rest. Let your muscles hear. Same thing when your brain goes through a seizure. You have to rest. So my husband has. So one of the things that he does have to do more than anything is sleep and just, you know, watch TV, relax, read his books, you know, do do something that's relaxing so he can recover. And obviously, too, the other component, too, is the medication I, I give him. Most of his medications they has, they can make you feel, obviously deal chemically with your mood and other things. But the yeah. other side effect is they'd make you drowsy. So he's sleepy because of the medication. He's sleepy because he's exhausted after what his brain has just gone through. And it, yeah. it, it impacts his whole body. It happened in his brain, but it
0: impacts his whole body. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. What could it possibly be a seizure where he doesn't come out of it is that always a risk or yeah that's why I
1: clock him. that's why the protocol for when someone has a seizure if they don't you got to clock them so if they don't come out of it after five minutes you're calling 911 and getting them transported to the hospital ASAP if they hit their if they hit their head then there's that component of a concussion right but yeah if it goes longer than five minutes you are calling 911 so what happens Melissa
0: if you have to go out for the day
1: I take my daughter with me. I don't have a lot of options. Um, I do utilize family, but I try to keep going out for the day to a minimum where I'm not gone too long. I hate leaving the house because my husband's by himself. Um, But I try to keep it to a minimum, you know, and, and I, and I make arrangements to have people here, but that's not always possible because I have family that has, you know, family in their lives and we're in a situation. Usually my dad is here though, because we live with my dad, but he's on vacation right now. So, I'm kind of (laughs) in a little bit of a pickle and I have other family that's out of town right now, but usually I try to make arrangements when I know I'm going to have to be gone for the day for a long period of time. You know,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Because you can't leave him. you know, if you can't take his time of, of something happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If he can't, if he can't, he, he can't give him when he has a seizure, whether he's just, you know, out cold or he's just kind of off. You can't take, you can't always take his medication. Now, now now, again, the, um, he takes, um, I give him nasal if he's out cold, but if he's, um, uh, just feeling off and he's alert enough beforehand, he can take some lorazepam as a rescue. Uh, but sometimes he can't even get to that. And so then I have to give him the nasal spray anyway, because you know that you want the medication in his system the fastest way possible, and it's better to give him the nasal spray and stop because the nasalum has a longer shelf life than the lorazepam. The lorazepam has a 12-hour window. So the idea with rescue medication it's help to stop the seizure and prevent another subsequent episode from happening. Um, not and right now we're even adding clonazepam for a while because he's transitioning onto he is transitioning off of zomithazine onto excopri for stabilization to help his seizures because the zomethazine is not working. And we're trying to get him staz- stabilized enough so that we can start the p- testing process for surgery. So there's all these components. So we, so we, you know, we're amping up on, um, yeah. you know, trying to get him stabilized on the excopri, We're adding the clomazepam at nighttime to help him have a little extra because it has a 36 hour window, whereas with, with whereas the lorazepam only has a 12 hour window. So if he takes it, say, like let's see, it's like twelve fifteen my time. So if he takes it now by Um, you know, by midnight tonight, it's going to be gone. So he has no more protection for the night. Whereas if he takes the clonazepam at bedtime before he goes to sleep, it'll last him through the morning and kind of help give him so so he can be protected overnight. So until he gets to the next night, nighttime dose.
0: (laughs) So he has to do that every night and.
1: Yeah. He takes right now. Yeah. So the clonazepam he takes right now, it's temporary. It's just until we get him stabilized at the right dose of the excopri. So he takes excopri at night, a dose of that. Um, he's on 100 milligrams of that. He takes 600 milligrams of the methazine right now, even though it's not working. We can't just stop a medicine and start another one because there is some component of of protection by s- at least staying on the zomethazine until we get him to the right dose of the excopri, and then we can start weaning him off the zomethazine. But he's not there yet. And then he takes lorazep- or excuse me, he takes um, the clonazepam um a 0.5 milligram dose of that just at bedtime right now to again give him because it has a longer shelf life in his body to help give him some extra protection from any subsequent seizures but again that's just temporary it
0: will go away so you're um, so much like a nurse <laughs> i have to be <laughs> you, you, know? have, you have all of the all of the all of the mm-hmm. but uh, that's just to give you a little taste of, of uh, the d de-
1: yeah but that's just to give your listeners a little detail of what it's I like know. I you have to be a nurse, it, you, you do have to learn to be a nurse and a caregiver, you're you're yes. watching the meds, you're calling in when something to the doctor when something happens, so they know what's going on. Because yeah. they if a medication is if they're having adverse side effects, or they're having a rash, or they can't breathe, or something like that, you're definitely going to the ER, you're notifying the doctor to stop that we're stopping yeah. the medication or, um, or we're having, we're still having so many breakthrough seizures, then we're definitely amping up on calling the doctor and maybe getting him onto another drug and drug as fast as possible. Because the idea is we're trying to go for a stabilization with epilepsy. It's a chronic illness. It's lifelong. Once you get it, it'll never go away. You can go years without a seizure, but you still have to be on meds or have a device placement or surgery or whatever the case may be. A plan. A plan because it's still, you have to keep it in check. Uh, If you don't, it can get out of control. And suit up is real sudden unexplained death with epilepsy can happen.
0: Um, it's kind of like diabetes. Once you get it, you've got it for life. Most
1: chronic illnesses you are know? hypothyroidism yeah. and IBS. I'm going to be on medicine for the rest of my life and watching my diet for the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah.
1: it's it, it a chronic illness. There's no magic cure
0: No. No, and epilepsy. I mean, it's been around for so long, and everybody knows the word, but we really don't know much about it. No, and you know that's I the find. stigma.
1: People people look fine, and then but people still will be like, "Why are you miss always missing work? Why are you always calling in? Why are you not coming? Why are you not going out to do things?" Yeah, it's not that they don't want to, but maybe they're avoiding. Maybe because people to have different triggers. Some people are triggered by flashing lights or certain sounds, so they. If their loved ones or families want them to go out and do an activity where those triggers are involved, uh-uh, they're not gonna go and do that because that's gonna throw them into a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband well, working in a, he works in customer service, he works in a gas station. So limiting the amount of hours he has to deal with cranky, rude, disrespectful customers, you know, or who are impatient or even just the stressful environment, even if the customers aren't rude, you know, that that pace okay. of, oh, I gotta get through everything. It's stressful. That so anxiety of it. Yeah. The anxiety of it. Yes, exactly. So limiting that. So we want him to still have the ability to work the set number of days that we can on part-time so he can still bring in income and just feel like he's contributing to our family financially. But at the same time, we he, he is not in a place ever again where he's going to work 40 plus hours a week. That's too much. Yeah. His body yeah. will not tolerate
0: that anymore. Can you tell the listeners what it's like to have a spouse that you're now a caregiver for you know that's we talked about it just backstage before we came on and it's definitely something different looking after your parents or having to make decisions for them um but having to make decisions about your own husband is definitely different Linda, just a second yeah what, sweetie? It's definitely. I'm not, I'm not done. Oh. Um, a decision that you're gonna have to make for, you know, for your daughter, like she came in, or yeah. you're gonna have to make for your husband or for yourself. And how do you, how do you keep that love? You know, like you can't just keep giving to somebody all the time. And it, that that's a, you know, I mean, your husband is is still pretty good yes you know functioning but what about listeners who aren't i mean that's a life-changing it's tough um my husband's still pretty good
1: but we have had impacts in other areas when when you go through a chronic illness and you're dealing with the illness it impacts you physically and emotionally mentally and spiritually but also impacts your family financially but it can also impact because it's your spouse it can impact your intimacy so libido i'm just going to go there your libido so yeah. the medications that my husband is on to control his epilepsy which are needed yeah. it messes it has it has messed with his libido and it just messes with his mood and it's not his fault and that's another thing you know you already have you know my husband's already at that age you know for men you know with their libido after 50 it goes down anyway, 40 to 50, it already goes down anyway, just naturally that if you're healthy, otherwise I'll think. So you're dealing with that. And yeah, do men take Viagra and things like that? Or sildenafil, which is generic Viagra, things like that. And my husband has utilized some of those resources at times. Um, but yeah, and we've dealt with that, you know, with us, having yeah, that's a hard, yeah. that's hard thing. But then you add on a chronic illness that messes with that even more. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> and it's and 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 also just feeling because it changes your body with the medications. You might have the side effect of weight gain or maybe you're a little swollen. You don't look as attractive. Maybe you might have that struggle. Um, That's something to consider too. And it's tough. And so there is that I, I am a caregiver and I do need to make sure my husband takes care of, but it's also my job as his wife to go, listen, this illness is not your fault. And you're still the man I married and that I love you so much. And you want to still input that desire. My body's changed too. I went through a cesarean when I had my daughter and I got up to 220 pounds. I'm only five foot tall and I'm still not back up to my baseline because of all the stress and my IBS. I'm still struggling with my weight, Um, but I'm learning to, but my body will never, I'll never, I've never been a size two, four, zero, and I never will be. And I'm just learning to accept that. But that doesn't mean I still can't be comfortable and healthy in, your own in the body. skin and my own in my yeah. own skin i mean whatever honestly, I, what I do want to do like. that doesn't mean that i'm giving myself myself license to binge all the bad food but i still yeah. am gonna try to exercise when i can hydrate with a lot of water taking great medications to keep my gut health in check so i'm not getting flare-ups with, of my ibs and i'm still doing my wellness visits to make sure we're doing everything we can to keep me at a healthy level But it is what it is. And my husband fortunately sees that, that he's like, okay, I'm not expecting you to be a supermodel. That's not what I married. So it's about still loving your spouse through it all and still seeing them as the person that you married. Yeah, things have changed. And yeah, things will impact as you even if they let's take the chronic illness out of the puzzle. Even if you were normal. As it were, quote unquote, normal. You would still be dealing with those changes and having to deal with libido issues and things like that because of, oh, yeah, yeah. of aging. So that's still on the table anyway. So I think with a chronic illness, I think those things are still important to keep in mind. I mean, yes, they might be um, uh, increased or, um, or 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 triggered a little sooner and a little faster than you might like. Yeah. But it still doesn't mean that life still can't be good and still life can't be beautiful. I still think my husband's the most handsome man on God's green earth. He loves me and accepts me for who I am, which I appreciate because I definitely had some self, um, you know, some, um, some, well, what's the word? Some image issues, you know, self-confidence issues, if you will, when we got married and my husband just loves me for me. He loves my personality versus, you know, how I look.
0: or how I I will
1: never look, you know, type thing. Right. So I think that's important. Um, Your spouse needs you. Some days are going to be hard and I think it's important to just soak up those good moments, you know, when you can be intimate, when you have a good day where your spouse is not, um, when your spouse feeling. is not, is not feeling, yeah, not feeling terrible from the side effects of the medication or having yeah. a lot of seizures and you're able to just have fun and laugh and giggle and play with your children and just be, into, and just be, in, maybe not physically like you're making love it, per se, but even just holding there's their hand. other intimacy. Yeah, yeah. There's other intimacies going out to dinner, reminiscing or doing something that's just you. Maybe even if it's just going out for a date, maybe getting childcare for one night and going out to dinner and going out to a movie or just doing something. Um, my husband and I, we've been, even had time where we just wanted to have some alone time. And so we've booked out a hotel and left our daughter with grandma and grandpa before we've done that even. So I'll just yeah. be really honest. So, you know, there's yeah. different types of way to feed that different intimacy. ways. And there's different, and it's important, your intimacy level with your spouse still needs to be there and still needs to be a priority, just as important as not skipping wellness visits for yourself with your primary doctor, not making sure you're hydrated and fueling your body with the right kinds of protein and getting enough sleep and exercising, just as important as tapping into mental health um, resources that will help you cope mentally, whether it's a counselor, therapist, or medication, and spiritually tapping into your congregation of faith, and even just outsourcing what you don't need on your plate. If you don't have the capacity to handle something, kick in home health, kick in hospice. Um, We have, what we've done is, well, this was actually in place when we moved in because of my dad taking care of my mom. They did have hospice, but they might because they got to the point where my dad physically couldn't do the lawn mowing anymore or or deep clean the house anymore. They had, we have one lady still that my dad hired two ladies, actually one comes in to do some one-on-one stuff with my dad on Tuesdays. And then another one comes in bi-weekly on Fridays to deep clean our house. And when we moved in, my dad understanding everything I'm dealing with as a spousal caregiver and a stay-at-home mom, he's like, I'm making the executive decision that I'm going to keep paying for those services for us. Because as a family, We have other things to worry about and you don't need anything else. I mean, I still keep up on cleaning and I do much what I can. And I do most of the cooking in the family now. But my dad made the executive decision to do that. And then we have people. And then because of the heat with chronic illness, a lot of people can't physically handle the heat very well. So we're in summertime. It's triple digits. We hired my dad hired to prior to when things are going down with my mom's decline in health and before she passed away. Um, was hiring some people from his church that come and m- mow our lawn once a week. And we're keeping those services well because even though my husband is 15 to 20 years younger than my dad, because of his epilepsy, we don't know when he's going to have a seizure. And again, he can't tolerate the heat very well. It's not good for his epilepsy either. So no, my dad totally. said, nope, we're going to keep that service too. So get creative. Outsourcing is not a bad thing, it's a form of self care. It's yeah. allowing you to have more time to do the other, other things. things. Yeah. Outsourcing groceries. There's times where like it's been a hard week where maybe we've had a lot going on. And the last thing I want to do is waste two hours of my time driving into the driving into town, spending yeah. an hour at the at the grocery store, then coming back home and having to unload everything. Pay the fee and <laughs> and, and order your groceries. Fred Meyer, Albertsons, um um uh, there's so many the now that are yeah. offering an online service. You can order online and you have two options. You can, you can usually pay like a small fee, which is worth it. Pay the fee because you're investing in your self-care. Pay the silly fee, order your groceries online, have them come to your house or if you do, or if you prefer or schedule a pickup time and you yeah. can just go to the store That's and pick true. them up.
0: So on your not, way home or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like if you know you're going to be out, for a medical appointment, let's say, because that does happen as a caregiver, you have more medical appointments. I mean, for us, it's interesting, we're still doing a lot of online because of COVID. But if you are still going in for medical appointments, and you know, you're going to be out go, okay, I'm going to set it for three o'clock, because our appointment will be done at 230. So on the way home, we'll pick up the groceries, boom, and all you have to worry about is unloading your car and putting them away. So outsource, outsource is a self care word absolutely <laughs> and it's not selfish okay it's okay to outsource because realistically think about all the stuff like we've talked about on this call yeah there is a lot of stuff that you are dealing with as a mom as a caregiver yeah and if and you can take, yes and yourself prioritizing yourself and if making if, if taking off two or three things i covered like two or three things right there outsourcing yeah. home health outsourcing yeah. um you know, yard work, groceries, yard work and stuff. That's yeah. taking some things off your plate.
0: And if that's snow plow you, or whatever. Yeah, it might snow be. plow, whatever
1: it might be. Yeah. And and get creative. Um, another um I know with our, we don't live close to our church anymore because we live in a different town than our church that's about 15, 20 minute drive away. But um when we were in our ch- when we were um, living in the same town as our church they had a food bank. And so there were a few times when we were dealing with with um, being tight on trying to pay off some medical bills and get what my husband needs for managing his illness. We were a little tight where we couldn't get food. So we leveraged that food bank for a season. And there was nothing wrong with that. So plug into your congregation of faith or other churches or congregations of faith in your town or community. That's a great resource. Community centers are good. There's programs there. Um, and also, um, check in your area, another place, if you're deal, if you're really being hit hard right now with COVID still going on inflation and gas and everything, um, check into some of those um, resources as well for programs where they will help you with your utility bills and your rent or mortgage payments. There's a few programs, there's a few programs there. So if you are in a bind financially where you're struggling to pay your bills, I know for us, there's two church programs i looked at we they were tapped out because of, when this happened for us when we were transitioning it was right in the thick of a pandemic it mm-hmm. was so bad so those resources were tapped out because there was an influx of families obviously that were needed because of covid being you know being things yeah. being shut down not being able to work and so money's not coming in and they can't pay their utilities or rent so there was some programs that you can qualify for you you might have to give at least for the programs i looked at you had to prove um loss of income with some documentation, but it wasn't too bad. Just, you know, basically sitting in some forms and some proof of um, your utility bills of what they would run.
0: And that's so all you had to do. So there's so. different, different options out there for people. Yeah. Basically. So be,
1: so look online and look in your area to see locally what is available. And obviously or your church, with, I guess, your church, congregation you of faith ideas yeah, there, as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, I know lo- locally there was um, for a while there was, I think a synagogue that was offering like a food pantry or um, a free resource like once a month or something too so right look at not just your local church or your your, your specific community of faith look at other resources because they're trying to you know and they will serve anybody you know usually yeah. too they don't just keep it to their just leader of faith they're trying to help yeah. the community in general so that's another option as well
0: especially important when something like this hits and
1: unprepared sometimes yeah, when, unexpected. you know yeah. you
0: just have to make things work somehow some way so sometimes you have to be creative and it's yeah. not easy and it's not lifetime it could just be you know a month or two or six mm-hmm. months or a year or absolutely you yeah know, it doesn't have to be forever
1: yeah yeah and don't and, and again please don't feel shame for nate need to leverage these resources i remember a story that was so palpable for me in Sunday service one morning, we were talking about our care house. That's our outreach ministry, one of the outreach ministries in our church. And this guy that I knew from my young adult group at the time, he shared a story about how he was just so heartbroken because he was he had volunteered that past week at the food pantry at the care house. And he said, it was so hard. I, I'm so glad we have this ministry, but I feel for the people that we serve because he said he was heartbroken for this Gentleman that came in, he had a, like two or three children. His work had been um, had laid him off or something like that, and so he couldn't have food for his family. And he felt so guilty and ashamed for needing to utilize a food pantry to feed his family. And he said, "You know, I talked with him and I tried to encourage him the best I could, of realizing, hey, this is not your fault. You didn't choose. It's not like you quit your job. Your yeah. company laid you off. It's not and you're not your fault. And you are still being." open enough and willing enough to not let your family starve and utilize a food pantry. That's what we're here for. So if you need us again, come back next week, we'll give you a box of food to feed your family for a week. It's that's what we're about. So, so there's no shame. These resources are for the unexpected. My tagline for my business is prepare for the unexpected. And that's what it's, this is about is whatever resources you need to be prepared or prepare for the unexpected that's what it's about. And that's what we want.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, we sure do in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm about being prepared before it happens and just to give it some thought and have those conversations. And, and by me putting it out there, I think people are going to start talking about it. I you agree. Know, absolutely. You know, it's more of on the forefront of your thoughts mm-hmm. to say, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's going to bug you it's going to be in your mind now and you're going to think oh i should really think about that a little bit more it's not you know these family conversations that i talk about aren't um like do it all at once kind of thing they no, are but just start purely to think starts yeah. to think yeah start so to think, think about what you want yeah talk about it yeah And you're lucky to have a husband that you can still talk about it to, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. What happens Talking about what happens with X,
1: Y, and Z. Yeah. What happens if my husband can't work? What if my husband
0: can't um, talk?
1: Can't talk. What What do you you want? Yeah. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Do you you want to donate your organs? That's another thing that is not talked about. Do you want to bless somebody else with your organs that do work? Absolutely. Or like what my mom did because she had so many chronic illnesses um she, oh, did she donate hers well she body? wanted to donate her body because her sister did her sister died of rheumatoid arthritis and a lot of com- complications she died young too in her 60s and she donated her body to science for them to study to help hopefully maybe give some other clues by yeah. um, um studying her body to see if they can get a breakthrough for somebody else that's struggling with some of these similar things and my mom wanted to too but there was something happened and they couldn't have that happen because of covid. Yeah. yeah. Obviously.
0: So covid changed my, a lot of things. Yeah.
1: So but even those conversations, you know, I yeah. mean I I I can't speak of like how long that's going to be that maybe with covid that people aren't going to take bodies cuz of covid, but still, I mean just think about those questions, you know, do they yeah. want to be cremated? Do they want to um have a memorial service? Um yeah. what if what they have a state yeah, like my dad yeah. and I. It's interesting. My dad and I are having this conversation because that's a little oh, bit more at forefront because he's he is over sixty five. He is 70, 71. and because my dad died, you know, he's made it very clear the housing market is out of this world. And so, um, as the heir for the, his estate, you know, this house will be mine when he passes away. Um, that's the way it's signed up, and mom and dad and I talked years ago about, they said, okay, listen, whatever the time is season here, And if you want to sell the house, we we'll are accept that. If you need a house, we were renting, we rented the majority of our marriage until we moved in and we're paying my dad rent. We're treating him like a landlord for right now. But when we yeah. do take over the estate, we'll take over everything, you know, the mortgage, yeah. the house payment, everything oh, like that. Yeah. And um, dad's made it very clear. It's like, I mean, do you, do you want to stay? Are you going to stay? It's like, dad, this is this is where you and Mama are. I, now that I'm living here, I can't think of selling this house because oh, we, cool. we can't afford to buy a house right now with how this market has just because infl- of inflation. It's so expensive. No, I can't. We can't. We can't. We, can't, we, we did try a couple of years ago, and it was the lowest that we could. You know, the lowest that we could. We we qualified for a two hundred thousand dollar loan, but you think about people don't think about just because you qualified that for that loan. Can you make that mortgage mortgage payment? I exactly. I crunched the numbers and we couldn't do it. We couldn't yeah. do it on the income. Yeah. And this was like three or four years before my husband got yeah. sick. So this house that we have now that we've been blessed with with being able to have more time with my dad by li- moving in with him and having resource expenses of um, not having to pay so many expenses has been a blessing because you know I promised Mom that I would take care of Dad. Yeah. And So and yeah. this house is perfect with just because it's one story dad has his own room I can take care of him when when we do need to kick in hospice years down the road for him yeah
0: yeah
1: and um and I have an office and so I have a place to we have a place to raise our daughter so it's perfect um, it's perfect and so we're not going to leave this is a great nice quiet community to raise our family and
0: it's no that's awesome yeah so Um, God has blessed us so we're going to stay here (laughs) that's for sure he sure has or she (laughs) somebody has An angel has somewhere up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Melissa, what kind of last minute messages would you like to give the listeners for what all of what you've gone through now?
1: I would say the biggest thing I just want to let them know is that you're not alone. Okay. Caregiving unexpectedly, whether it's your parent, whether it's your grandparents, whether it's your spouse whether it's especially a cancer for a kid, for one of your children or a special needs situation or an injury, a cataclysmic injury with somebody in your family. It's not easy. It's not fun, No, but it's not, and it's not your fault. Okay. So I just want you to know that you're not alone and that there's resources out there and that I am not going to stop fighting until more people know that these situations exist. So we can change the landscape on the state level, the federal level, and worldwide level that these situations exist and there needs to be better programs in place to help financially, but also not just financially, but also mentally and emotionally to cope with these situations. That's the whole reason my business um, exists. I created my business out of lack of resources that I could find that match my situation. I could find stuff for stay-at-home moms, but it was more curtailed towards moms who had made that pre-planned decision prior to having children with their spouse that they were going to stay at home because the husband made such a good income and to avoid daycare, which even here where I live is unthinkably expensive, as much as a rent or mortgage payment, forget it. Um, (laughs) And then I found caregiving stuff. But again, it was more towards that uh, demographic for your parents or grandparents or for a sick kid. I'm not saying those in between. not the in-between. So I wanted to be the coach and mentor that nobody else had. And the advocate for awareness about this illness, as I've been learning more and more about epilepsy, I want to put chronic illnesses in the forefront and the limelight where people can't say no to that, to that, it, that it does exist.
0: Yeah. And so to tell get us, more awareness around tell it. Tell us about your program.
1: So my Finding Your Balance program is amazing. I'm so excited about it. Um, doors are opening again on the 22nd of August. So get on the wait list. And it's, I basically teach you how to be prompt. That's my acronym. So Preparing for the Unexpected reaching out for support, getting organized at home, managing your busy schedule, prioritizing self-care, and then telling your story to both heal and raise awareness. And I'm not about cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approaches. That drives me up the wall. Your girl will not go for that. So I will be teaching you with my program. You get, you get the modules and you get a couple um, of my free digital resources that you get to download for free. Um, but you, the cool thing is, is you, when you sign up, you get one month of one-on-one Voxer voice message coaching with me five or six hours a day, five days a week. So anytime you have a question, I am there alongside you. You get to hear my voice, which is just a text or maybe a Zoom call. Not to say that those aren't beneficial, but yeah, things happen day to day. And you need to be able to sometimes just hear someone tap else's in. voice you and tap, tap in and in go and go like, okay. You can so that way you can go. Melissa, my toddler's about ready to drive me at the wall because she got into the glue again. Or, Melissa, my 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 husband or my spouse just had another episode, and I'm half. I just called my nine one one again, and it's scary. It was so bad this time, and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I just want. I just need someone safe to talk to through the situation for some that
0: understands. I mean, that understands that situation. So. Your
1: girl will be in your corner and I will help you get a realistic motherhood and caregiving spousal caregiving routine that works for you. And this program's retailed at $1,800. You're getting it for $197 or two payments of $90, $98.50. So it's,
0: a great it's deal. exciting. I'm yeah. excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. That's awesome, Melissa. Thank you for sharing that. That's Perfect. Um, well, listeners, it's about time that we um, we could talk to Melissa for forever on the subject of caregiving. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we could for sure. Um, well, absolutely. But I don't get you all started. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, but we have to uh, close it off at some point. We'll have her come back with an update, I'm sure, in the next few months. Um, maybe before Christmas, we'll find out how things are going or something like that. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on our show. I really, really appreciate your, your time and your story and your tricks and tips for other people. That's really absolutely.
1: Important. Thank you for having me. And just a little side note, if you do have questions, leave them in the comments below.
0: And um, uh, well, Tina can get, the, can get them to me and I could answer those for you sure and her description and everything is down below for for all our listeners as well and i i wanted to mention i wanted to thank our listeners from united states and canada And our German listeners as well, because our third biggest group of listeners are from Germany. So meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentar haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft und danke fürs Zuhören, meine deutsche Freunde. So thank you so very, very, very much. And if you were thinking about that special someone right now that you're watching the show and you haven't talked to them in a while, and you haven't spoken to them, please pick up the phone. We still have phones. Knock on their door, FaceTime them, whatever it is, and tell them how much you love, love them and care about them, because you don't know what tomorrow might bring. So stay tuned for our podcast and our live streams. We have great conversations and with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world, just like Melissa here, who's been able to give us an insight of what it's like to be a mom, um, an entrepreneur, and a caregiver, and a nurse, and a wife, all wrapped up in one. That's a lot of a lot of roles there. Um, nobody's Superman. Nobody's super girl in this world, so expect the unexpected. And thank you again to all of our listeners. Make sure you click on that like. Click on that subscribe button there down below because then you make sure you get to see our next videos. We are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and we have a Facebook group for uh, like-minded people our like-minded community that can talk about situations that they're dealing with, with each other. So thank you for sharing your time with us. I always end with Carol Burnett because she's such a beautiful and a funny, funny lady. (laughs) So funny. And you know who she is too, Melissa. Yep. She's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long so long everybody so long till next time expect the unexpected and stay safe and be kind thank you Melissa thank you bye guys